So hello and welcome to the Expat Pod. My name is James, your host, and today I'm joined by my lovely friend and colleague, Manidora, and you're from Romania, if I'm not mistaken. So please feel free to introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. This is Minodora. Yes, I'm from Romania. Um, it's, I'm from a really small town. Um, it's called Moldovian County, let's say, but it's not actually Moldova, okay? It's a different country. <laughs> but yeah, um, I think that, that's about it. And um, where have you lived? So um, before UK, I, I lived most of my life in Romania and just for a short time in Portugal when I was doing some studies in my Erasmus. That was it. I didn't really live anywhere else. Perfect. Well, that's wonderful. I guess we'll get into the podcast. Okay. <laughs> so welcome to section one of the podcast, all about getting there. So Minadora, you said, is this guy... Like, touch the Portugal bit a little bit because it's quite interesting for people uh, as an Erasmus because it's obviously an opportunity that people have uh, especially in Europe I know of uh, I don't know too much about the rest of the world for Erasmus students but I know I've got a lot of friends from Brazil who've moved to the UK for, for work but um, why did you choose the Erasmus exchange? So I chose it because of my cousin <laughs> she did two Erasmus one for uh, for her bachelor and one for, um, I think, her thesis um, at the end of the doctorate. Um, when she came back from both of them, she went in Portugal and in France. And I was like, kind of, um, I don't want to do this as well. I had no clue. I didn't really knew what this is about. I know that it's like going with studies into another country and then you just go back home. Nothing really happens after the study. Um, but she told me, just go to Portugal. You'll love it. So a hand to heart, Portugal and Erasmus was one of the best experience. That's like, if I'm ever speaking about a university or something, that's me going there all the time. Um, that's like the best time of my life. I don't know. It was just a six month time, but that was one of the best experience that I ever lived. This is where I made, um, a lot of friends. This is where my English improved a lot because since then I didn't really use it. I was coming from the school and university where we never really used English. It was like the ordinary courses. Um, so this is where I actually improved myself uh, on an independent person as well. I learned how to deal with finances on my own and careful with people I'm hanging out with because I didn't want the bad choices. Um, but it was really one of the best time of my life. I really don't regret taking this decision. And I'm always happy that my cousin encouraged me to go to Portugal. And which which school in Portugal did you end up exchanging with? So the one I chose was uh, one that was on the list for my university. And it is Porto, Univers Universidad de Porto. <laughs> And, I, and did you have lots of port? Well, no. <laughs> yeah, maybe just a bit. I'm a, I'm a bit, like, <laughs> maybe a bit too much in some cases. But yeah, I think the introduction when I got there, because um, I remember it was like yesterday. It was me and a friend going there for the Erasmus. And when we got to the airport, I was clueless. I had. I, I can't really understand what was in my head. I had no idea where I'm going, like accommodation. Who's picking us up from the airport? My friend, she, she was the one that she was dealing with all of this. And after 
one of her friends somehow somebody i can't remember how this person got to, to take us from the airport um she introduced us to some parties like portuguese parties and they had these drinking games i was out in five seconds i was like how can these people drink so much and still learn so much it was like a dilemma i never got to it and like never it was really great time but i did yeah i mean part of university well for me it was all about the drinking culture as well as the the studying came second it's all about the socializing because like uh, for me my undergraduate degree was kind of like how to google stuff uh even though it's engineering but you and you had to learn like equations and things but like a lot of the more essay work was just how to research effectively it's googling initially and like how to what questions to ask like what what to look for in a library or something so i was like oh well, that's not too difficult to do so i can go out with my friends and play sport <laughs> which is what i tended to do for the start of university um yeah but yeah it's uh i've not been to porto so i'll have to go you should yeah I've... lovely place i visited last year on a celebration for my 10th year after going back from porto um, the best time for me is like the pinnacle of this whole experience is for 24th of June. There is a celebration. It's called San Joao. It is like St. John, if you want. Um, I can't express in words how <laughs> cool this celebration is. You're eating sardines on the street. There are fireworks in the night, concerts, par party people everywhere. Um, there is like um, a hammer out of made from like... Uh, inflatable hammers if you want and they have oh, yeah. this squeaky thingy in it so when you hit it it makes a noise everybody has that and they just hit people around like everywhere it's crazy in the in like 10 11 years ago i was like i couldn't believe it because people like were hitting each other even if they don't know each other they're like really a big family and for me it was like what is this <laughs> i had so much fun so i got back to it and they do. I mean, it's a it's a pretty good icebreaker. Just like yeah, it's with a with a with a inflatable hammer. Yeah, yeah. There are concerts everywhere in the city. I think last year there were like three stages. It's really a great place to be. <laughs> so that's twenty fourth of July or June. Twenty fourth of June. This is how I can think. It's twenty fourth of June. Yeah. That's the day after Midsummer in Sweden. So you could do back to back, do a Midsummer, and then jump on a plane to Porto. Oh yeah. <laughs> awesome um yeah so then i guess there wasn't much you needed to do in terms of preparation for going on your erasmus because i guess it was handled by the university apart from when you got there um it was quite extensive romania is very difficult on this bureaucratic side of things just doing file for this erasmus was a pain i think it took me like a couple of months um getting signatures for this kind of people um, going back and forth, uh, it was, I remember it was quite extensive. I just chose to forget it, about it. Um, so that, that wasn't really something I ever wanted to go back to. Um, and did your, any of your friends do, uh, an Erasmus in different countries or cities? I think I met some of the people afterwards. They were doing, I remember one of my colleagues from the high school, he did uh, one in, in Spain and he was also in love with this. I think Erasmus anyway for any kind of student is really great. I don't know anyone that 
came back from an Erasmus and they were like, oh, I don't like it. I didn't like it. No, everybody just found it amazing. Porto had a program where they assigned three people for you to introduce you in the culture. Oh, well. So they will get you and, I don't know, uh, present you some really nice shops, some really nice pastry shops, some really nice well, and interesting events. I remember I went to these concerts and to, uh, I don't know, it was just amazing. <laughs> Wow, yeah, it's so nice of them to help you out. Like, because it must, because uh, I don't know, and we'll probably answer this a bit later, but moving as an adult or being an adult in another country is quite difficult. Um, but I guess having people there to like literally uh, engulf you into society is such a lovely thing for them to have done. Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, going back to like not meeting someone who hasn't enjoyed an Erasmus. I think most of my friends who are international are because they've done an Erasmus while I've been studying. Because I play volleyball, it's quite an international sport anyway, that most of them are Erasmus students who play. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of my friends have, live all over the world because of A, volleyball, and B, Erasmus students. So yeah. It's a great opportunity to, to definitely live and, and, and learn and, yeah, and enjoy foreign cultures. Um, kind of going forward then to your uh, move to the UK, was that for work, for or for something else? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I At the time, um, I was working for Renault in Romania. So I remember I just... It, it was like a culture back then. Um, a lot of people were, like, were, they, were going abroad to work. I wasn't having like a really bad salary, but I was just contemplating. If I want to buy a house or something, I really needed a lot more. So when I applied for a job in the UK, I was thinking maybe I should just go there for two years and then come back and... Um, just I don't know. Use the savings to buy to buy a house. Passported, I bought a house here. <laughs> so everything probably changed when I got here. But yeah, in the beginning, it was because of my career. Mm. And did you move by yourself, or did you move with honor? So at the beginning, it was just me. Um, I always thought about it like setting the nest. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so I came here alone, but. He was he was lucky. My my husband he was lucky to get a, a job as well, and he followed me <laughs> next month. So you were already married before you moved? No, no. Back then we were just partners. <laughs> and uh, what was that like then, like uh, the unknown? Because I've moved and my girlfriend stayed in the UK, and I'm going back now. But like uh, it was quite difficult, I guess, at the start of, of the unknown. This was quite puts a strain on relationship. So uh, again, back in Romania, this is like a culture. I grew up with that were leaving families to go and work abroad so for me it wasn't like really that bad um i always thought hey if this is gonna work out it's gonna work out no matter what so i i was i was a bit afraid because you know i'm still i'm a lot person anyway um so but yeah i think difficulty is one of the words i would use at the beginning at least I'm, i found out that he got another uh, also a job <laughs> And is he in the same industry as you as well? Yes, he is. We used to board both of us in, in Renault. Oh, that's lovely. Um, and then I guess when you moved to the UK, did you did you find a job to apply for and then apply for it? Or did you speak to recruiters? Or or how? what was the process in, in looking for work from so what I was for your opinion? Yeah, I know there was like these platforms where we, you will just put your CV up. And I remember a recruiter was calling me and was like, Hey, I have this job for you. But this happened like so quickly because I, I wasn't really prepared for it. It just very well, it took me on surprise as well. 
um, I just submitted my CV and then this recruiter called me, hey, I think I have a job for you. This is it. Do you want to apply for it? And I said, sure, why not? Let's just go ahead. I really had no hope. I was like, I didn't have much experience on that uh, CAD uh, job that I applied. At least this is what I thought. Um, next day, the manager called and the next day, the recruiter called and he told me, hey, yesterday you got in. But I wanted to tell you in the first, the first, like the first, uh, first thing in the morning. Like, what? <laughs> I couldn't really believe it. <laughs> and I remember I called my mom. She was the first one to find out. And I was like, what, what do you think? Should I, should I go? And my mom always an advocate for going abroad. She saw so many people going abroad and getting so much, I don't know, happiness in their lives. And they were happy and they were doing so many stuff. I says, yeah, go for it. <laughs> I mean, you're right. It's a good, a good analogy or a good uh, observation. Your mum says about people who go abroad, they come back with so much energy and excitement about what they've seen and how it's all. Because it's usually sweet. Oh and you have something mom. to literally write home about. So. My mom, she was like praying. You, you should find. I, th I remember when I was in my Erasmus, she was like, find a job there. Don't come back. <laughs> yeah, she was an advocate for this. But it's interesting because you were saying about like in the Romanian culture, you people go abroad to work. Um, obviously, that's not really something I have grown up with, because me being being in the UK, you tend to. My parents haven't moved house since I was born, so uh, so they've not left the country for work, and they've always just kind of worked in that in in Liverpool. Um, whereas, yeah, I, I see more and more like I, my neighbour here. He, um, Bothos, he's, he's Polish, and his family, his wife and two children are in Poland, and he comes to work at Volvo, works, I think, two weeks, and then drives home, works a week in Poland, and then comes back, and it's like, it seems like such a um, a tough life, but I guess the opportunity here in Sweden was is much better than what he would have had a home to provide for his family, and it's like, you have such an empathy for this, yeah, um, which I know a lot of people in the UK maybe don't have, or at least, like, uh, in British families, obviously now we're becoming more inclusive, and through through meeting great people yourself and talking about it, people are gaining the empathy because they're aware of of actually you know it. People just have to do it. Yeah. But it's uh yeah it's uh, I'm just, it's something I, I've never appreciated as much until oh, you mentioned it then, and then I think of my, my neighbour here, and it's yeah just so interesting to to have to consider and how lucky we all are and. Yeah, no, definitely in Romania, this was at least a couple of years back. This was definitely a culture. Uh, in my hometown, um, if I'm looking like on, on, on my balcony from my mother's place, the flats around, they're all empty. People just went abroad and they never come back. Sometimes when I go back home, this happens like so rare. Uh, I feel like I'm in a ghost town. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Which is quite funny because Ghost Town is a song about Coventry. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's about, well, the specials wrote it and they are from Coventry. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's quite interesting how you use that exact term. <laughs> so you've gone from one ghost town. So um, back to your, your move then, uh, from, from, from getting the offer, how long did it take you to, I guess, up sticks and, and leave? Um, I remember it took me three, two weeks. Because no time. in two weeks, I, I actually left work. So I had one week. I came here one week before I actually started my job. 
So in that week, I was just going, see the shopping, see the city. Um, I don't know, find it out. How is it to be in the UK? Um, but I really wasn't. I mean, I had already had this experience firsthand with with my Erasmus. Uh, it did not stressful at all. I was I came up again. I was I don't know what happened. Um, sometimes I don't think. I maybe that, that's it. I just um came here and I was sit- staying at some friends for two weeks because the the person I was about to move in a in, a, in an apartment um. They had to go like to a, this kind of uh, inventory. Somebody was moving out and the company had to do like an inventory for the apartment. So I couldn't move straight away in there. But this that I was talking, I never met before. I had no clue who he was. Um, and then I was like asking everyone because there were so many Romanians that I knew and they were already in here. And I was asking around, hey, do you have a place for me? Maybe for just two weeks because... Until then, the apartment is going to be ready. And I just couldn't find anyone. And then somebody just told me, hey, what about this uh, couple? I know them. They're really great. And I stayed with them for two weeks. And when I when I, when they got me from the airport, I was like, this, I, I, this is like a very good chance to get murdered. I have no clue where I'm going and who am I staying with. This is the best. <laughs> I mean, obviously you didn't get murdered because you're talking now. <laughs> But, I'm yeah. Breaking, yeah. It's quite a scary thing. Like it's quite a risk people take. Uh, yeah. And the trust... I just don't think this is it. <laughs> well, you think it's you're putting out there that uh, people are nice rather than the other way around of being scared of them. So I think you need to manifest the uh, <laughs> the nice people you're going to step. With. Yeah, this is a trait of mine. Um, I always see just the good stuff in people. Never see the bad. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to see world from your eyes then, because I don't do that. Um, and then, so where was it you moved to in the UK? Was was it the Midlands where you're living now? I was actually in Leamington Spa. Um, it, it, it's such a nice city. I I always loved this city. I always loved it. Um, before moving there, uh, one of my friends told me, "Hey, this city is like your hometown. It's like this small, same size, only like a lot more vivant. I don't know." And I really loved it. I think from the day one, I was like, I'm so in love with this city. It's so pretty, so beautiful. Um, and I think one of the most beautiful stuff that I found when I came here was that everybody was ta- talking to you with this terms. It's like, hi, love. Hi, my darling. How are you, my sunshine? Uh, I, I wasn't used to this. With this whole I was overwhelmed. Sometimes I felt like crying. Like, people really do this? Like, like on a norm? I didn't really believe it. it. It was very strange for me. Yeah, we have a lot of words for like hello and like different ways in which like hi chick or and then every city has a different like favorite, I guess, like the a word you would say to someone like darling or love or pet or something, you know. It, and it's uh, it is a, a wonderful thing we have in, yeah. in the UK. You you have no idea how much this helped with this transition. I remember when I started working, I was going to this, we had like a small canteen in our place where I was working in my building and the ladies in there, they, they made me so emotional, like from the first day, they're like, hi, Sunshine, how I can help you, my love? I was like, I already love you. <laughs> no, that, that was one of the best experiences at the beginning. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, well, that's a great way of ending the first part of the podcast.
you've got there and everyone's calling you love. So wonderful. I will see you in section two. Okay. So hello and welcome back and welcome to section two of the podcast. That sounded weird. Um, this is all about being there. So this is where I'm going to do. I'll just try and find some some great uh, anecdotes or advice you've had or experiences you've had of, of living in in the UK. What point of that mostly than your student times in in Portugal? But you, please feel free to share any moments about that as well. Um, but the main thing is the kind of culture differences you may have experienced between the two countries. Um, but firstly, you know, what what was your we kind of touched on your kind of your first experience of worrying about not being murdered, but not worrying about it. But looking back and maybe, but your first impression of of the UK, apart from everyone being so friendly when they greet you, uh, what was that like? What did you think, apart from maybe the weather being bad or something? Um. So what I remember is a couple of things that kind of made my life a bit weird at the beginning. Uh, one of them was anyway all this craziness with paperwork, doing like bank account or whatever. So what I will just ask from people coming or moving to a different country, just have patience. Everything will will be dealt with patience as soon as it, poss- it possibly can. Um, I struggled quite a lot. The bank didn't agree uh, for two months to create an account number for, for different reasons. Sometimes the system just dropped. Sometimes it was something from... The paperwork that I had, I don't know. It just took it took me two months, so it was two months until I got my first paycheck. Oh, wow. Well, two paychecks in one. <laughs> um, but anyway, it was a bit difficult, and I was stressing a lot. I didn't know what happened. Um, but yeah, just have patience. Everything will deal. We'll, we'll get it eventually. And another stuff that kind of blew me off was this reservation of people from work to interact. I was coming from Renault. Renault, it's a French company where people just, every morning they kiss on the cheek, they say hello, they shake hands. So now I'm coming to this place where even when I'm like introducing myself and I extend in my hand, hi, uh, I'm Inodora, people would look at my hand and be very, hi, welcome. <laughs> What's in your hand? <laughs> I was like, welcome. <laughs> I was feeling like an intruder. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I'm sorry that happened. That's not what most of the the UK is like I don't I think. Mean, that was one of the experiences that I got with my other uh, workplace but with Polter it was completely the opposite um, yeah it was so much different I, I mean Polter is like a family for to me so it's really I can't I can't express how how happy I was at least at the beginning with everybody when we were like a really small team that, that yeah that that was like a complete opposition from the other place I used to work um another stuff that I kind of made me really homesick to be honest was the food but I can't I remember I I back home you just find restaurants and everywhere every everywhere and they've they have like a really big menu and here you go to like a pub because it's not like the general the restaurants are stuff that were like places that I will, wouldn't really go um, and they will have like fish and chips, burgers, and not much choice of not very big choice of variety of stuff to choose from. Um, and I was like very disappointed. Like, I'm going to starve here. <laughs> so I ended up cooking a lot. 
I learned how to cook a lot of dishes, a lot of Romanian dishes from scrap, things that I've never done before. What What is your favorite Romanian dish then? I'm not too familiar with Romanian cuisine. But, uh... I would like to keep it a secret because, you know, there is like a diversity thing with cooking recipes on our um Parallax. So I wanted to put there the recipe. So I want to pause it. I want to say Okay, that's fine. Well, you can uh, leave it in a comment after you've uh, <laughs> and we'll put it on social media or something when you've uh, made it public and what. Yeah. But if it's in the next 13 weeks, you'll be fine. Yeah, I should be. Actually, yeah, you're kind of right. <laughs> should I say it now? <laughs> I mean, I won't, I won't do spoilers. Yeah, Um. it's anyways, like, if you want to, okay, I'm going to just say it. Forget it. I'm going to just say it because it's going to be a really long time after this parallax thingy. Um, so it's something that my mom used to do when I was a child. I never actually saw anyone else doing it. It's, I don't know why my mom just did it for me. So I just assumed that when I was growing up that it was, it was like a Romanian dish. But I don't know, maybe she just invented it and I really loved it. It's like boiled potatoes and then you split them in half make a cup um a cup how to say it you're making dish um like a hole inside where you put some kind of fillings made up out of a pate okay together, like coat it with um stuff and then fry it so i can't explain how how much oh my god i'm not hungry it's like a scotch egg <laughs> <laughs> it's a scotch, a scotch egg. It's not a scotch no, egg, but it's, it's not, like a no, scotch egg. No, no, it's not, not, nothing like a scotch egg. No, I mean the construction. Eggs inside. Look, and it has like yeah. a very big coat of meat or whatever. No, this is like, yeah. this is so different. If I'm going to cook it, I'm going to, you're going to be the first to see the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean the flavor or the filling is the same, but the idea of it like being something inside something and then coated and fried I'm so hungry now <laughs> yeah you dinner time soon oh wow that's so cool and then so how long did it take you to to make that to learn to make that when you first moved um this particular dish is very easy to make it it takes hmm. like 20 minutes I don't really make it this often because there is a lot of oil to use, which I don't like. I normally don't have oil in my house. I don't fry stuff. Oh, uh, you can get an air fryer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could be a way of doing it. It's going to work. <laughs> um, yeah, you need to deep fry this potatoes to, to be really tasty. Um, but the rest of the recipes, it kind of depends on the recipe. I think the first time I cooked, it's called Kozonak. It's one of our traditional cakes that we do, uh, like Christmas, Easter. It's very, very traditional. And I remember I started somewhere like 11 o'clock and finished it by 12 in the night. It took me like wow. 12 hours. I, I was so clueless. I was just mixing everything and then figure out, nah, this this one's supposed to go here. Just a fiasco. But the, the end product was good, was tasty. That was what actually mattered the most. But also, like, the fact that it took you so long to do it. The pride in what you've made. You have no idea. Everybody knew. Everybody from my friends. I made Kozolak. I was feeling like such an achiever. <laughs> um, um, what, what are the flavors of Kozolak? Um, uh, yeah, it's actually Kozolak. 
Because of neck. Sorry. Apologies. I have a little neck. No worries. Um, uh, it's like a marble cake. Oh. Yeah. Only it has making the marbles difficult. I teach the light in it has a lot of stuff that I really enjoy. And now I'm hungrier and hungrier. This podcast a very, very hungry session for me. <laughs> you can have like a Romanian feast of like home food when when we leave this call. I I am actually about to go to a barbecue, which is like a Romanian barbecue. So. <laughs> and uh, how does a Romanian barbecue differ from a British barbecue? So one of the first things is you don't have meat. Uh, what sorry? It's called meat. It's something made out of like a mix of uh, meats. <laughs> You call them meat. In translation, I think it's like little <laughs> something. Um, it's very weird, but they look like shish, maybe to you. The taste uh, yeah. was different, but I'm quite sure if you'll try it, you'll love it. Oh, good, good to know. And um, I guess so. You kind of you, you, the the food thing, which comes up quite a lot on this. Well, I guess <laughs> maybe because I'm hungry. <laughs> no, not you, as in, like, the people I speak with, like, food, no matter where they've moved to or from. Well, I think that... Food from home is always what people want. Yeah. You eat three times a day, mostly, um, and you've always grown up with certain dishes. Like, for me, my mum used to make me, um, like, or make my family pea soup or lentil soup. And now I'm obsessed with, like, because I don't eat meat, really. So um, this soup is just like, it reminds me of winter at home and it's wholesome and you have like very nice crispy bread. And like, I learned to make it when I moved to university because I was like, oh, I missed this. Um, and like this things like that, which like, as you mentioned with the, with the fried potato, it's, it's what your childhood was. So it's such a, a link home. And like, uh, it's really interesting thinking about like the amount of people that I've spoken to now and food is, is such a popular item, even if, like it's not a, a well-known dish yeah it's, it means something to you i i i totally absolutely agree with you i remember when i came here i tried curry for the first time in the campaign back work back at work i absolutely hated i was like why do people enjoy this i just didn't like it i i don't know i really maybe it was one of the worst curry ever because then i a couple of years after I tried it again when I went to Thailand. It was kind of one of the stuff that I could eat in there. Um, and when I came back home, I actually enjoyed going from Indian restaurants just to try every type of curry. And now I'm addicted. I can't, I mean, I, I have I have days or weeks when I'm just, I'm really hungry. Should we go to eat to that place? Just get some curry. <laughs> but it's not actually because of hunger. I'm just, I just want them. <laughs> Yeah, no, completely. And like curry is such an interesting because there's so many different types of, um, and different uh, bases for, for curry. I'm not a connoisseur at all. I spent a lot of hours in curry houses after playing sport. But, um, yeah, and it's just that like, there's a Thai food restaurant in, in Gothenburg where I live, which is an amazing like uh, green curry and red curry. So I was actually, when Evie was here last, we, we went uh, with her friend who came to visit as well. Um, and it was like such an amazing meal, um, but I think it has to be made properly. Like, like in in, in uh, Leamington, we're blessed with a few good Indian restaurants, and like Kayam is my favourite one because it's South South Indian. Um, yeah, but again, like, 
it's just so weird. It's interesting. Like food is, I guess, because we 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 eat, we sleep, and then we live, and like the eating part is quite a big part of our food. Is such a uh, an instigator of of conversation of activity. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Um, and then I guess another question that I'm interested to to know about is when you first moved. Did you make many friends? As you said, you, just, you knew a lot of Romanians who lived in the UK. But did you start to make friends who, with people who were British or from other parts of the world? Was it more internationals you were friendly with as opposed to British people? So again, I think I'm getting back to that reservation of people. I mean, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't really have places where to meet friends because I wasn't really going out. Um, and all, all we did at the beginning was getting back together with people I already knew, like my our roommate and and then through them meet other friend other other people and make friends with them. Um even nowadays I don't think I have many other nationality friends except Romanian. Maybe like at work we just get get along with but don't really spend time or make I don't know, going go to events like with my friends and they are different nationality. Which is kind of sad, but I I don't know. I just didn't really find somebody that was on my level. Well, and I don't know, getting on the same um, interest, let's say. I don't know. When you did come climbing at one time. Yeah, I was lucky with this um, health challenge work. Yeah, I, yeah. But again, it was like one thing. We never really, like, we do barbecues. We go to birthday parties. I never went on this kind of occasions to somebody which is not Romanian. This sounds sad now, but that's actually true for me. Is that something you... I guess it's... Is that out of choice? It's not way out of choice, is it? It's just maybe because it's familiar? Because it's familiar to socialize with many people and for them it's familiar to... I guess the social culture. Everyone just gets it, maybe. Yeah, I think it's kind of on the right person, you know? Maybe I'm... I'm a really easy going and fun person to be but if people don't feel the same around me they won't like in the extend an invitation on this level I I always get people around and say hey come to a movie with me hey uh, let's go to this gin and rum festival hey let's go to this event that I found on LinkedIn it's really interesting but at some point this just turns out only like a one thing it never turns out like more well, next time I'm in Lemon Spa, you can come for brunch with EP9. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think I'll be back soon, uh, in June. I'm here. I'm coming back from China Perfect. at the beginning of June. Oh, of course. Exciting. Great. Well, I'll be wanting to hear all about China. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to say only the good, the good stuff. <laughs> or the Baojiao you'll be drinking. I, I actually have no clue what, what's going to happen there. So I'm just trying to keep, again, the same stuff like the first two times I'm leaving somewhere. I'm just going to be clueless. When I go there, I just want to be surprised. Hit me up with everything you have, guys. I guess back to, to life in the UK. Um, One thing which probably happened, what definitely did happen uh, during your time uh, in the UK was COVID. Yeah. Um, how did that you in terms of your so i have a few friends who moved back home like my, my my bulgarian friend who's living in london and he moved back home because of covid and stayed in bulgaria um mm-hmm. i know their neighbors would um which is the extent of went um but um and he was saying yeah the, because of covid he went back and then speaking with um some portuguese colleagues we had uh, 
if they didn't have jobs, then they would have also gone back because obviously being so far from your family is, was, was so difficult and no one knew what was going on. So did that ever cross your mind about moving back home for, for COVID or? So uh, first of all, I think COVID for me, it's like a sweet and sour experience uh, on the whole level. When the pandemic hit and everything kind of turned out upside down, I got fired. I lost my job. Um, yeah. And in the same time, the same happened to my husband. So we were like both of us jobless. Um, That's super scary. It was very scary, and we were like uh, cutting off every subscription for everything, like Netflix. Everything. We were just cutting and making like a lot of uh, finance checking just to see how long we can stay in the UK in this kind of situation without running all of our savings. Um, so we we kind of set a goal: if we don't find a job in more than six months, we're just gonna go back home. We really didn't know what happened. But I had this feeling just in just before the han- the pandemic uh, hit. I had the interview at Polestar, and I had this feeling: don't go yet, don't go yet, don't go yet. <laughs> so I got another interview, um, and I got accepted. So I just I was jobless for three months. My husband was for six months. I think he felt a lot more. It was a lot more stressful for him um, because he was like trying to figure out how we can work it on only with one of us working and still pay the bills and do everything we need to sustain ourselves in here. Uh, True, a lot of our friends, they left uh, UK and they went back home. Um, But in the same time, we kind of started developing a new norm. We were working a lot because back home you needed like um, a paper to prove that you have this motive to go to go out from the house and you were visiting a doctor or something. It was like a declaration, if you want. But in here, you didn't really need it, especially in Leamington, where it's such a small place. Police wasn't like very brutal, like you need to stay indoors or something. No, it wasn't the case. So we were just walking a lot. And I remember that we found so many beautiful paths in, in Leamington uh, because of this. We also kind of did a lot of activities. I learned so many courses back then. I I read so many books. I was doing uh, like binge watching a lot. I think this was the time when I saw all the Marvel characters, the Marvel movies, everything. It just happened everything that time, which was good in a way and bad in another way. But still, um, I think it was something that we all experienced in, in, in a way and we learned from it. And I'm kind of grew with it. Yeah, I think COVID for me, I was, I took the one exercise a day quite far. I was like, I'm going to run a half marathon. I'm going to go cycle for three hours because I think we could go up for once per day. And I moved home, right, to my parents' house because I was living in Leamington at the start of COVID. And I uh, lived in a flat with no outdoor space. I didn't really fancy not being able to like go outside. So I went to my parents who lived near a beach. It's about one kilometer away from a beach. It's only have a dog and a garden. Uh, I was like, uh, maybe stuck somewhere for 12 weeks. Then it's uh, going to be there. Obviously, it ended up being a lot longer than that. But um, it was, yeah. Again, similar to you, you're saying like COVID is such a Jekyll and Hyde. You know, of course, it was horrific that our lives got put on hold. And my, I had a trip to South Africa booked. And like the week after lockdown, which got cancelled. Um, oh, and. You would have some plans. That was the year when we were supposed to get married. 
And that was also the year that we were supposed to have like a one month honeymoon in, in the Central America, <laughs> visiting Cuba, Mexico and um, um, Costa Rica. All of it got blown away. <laughs> have, have you since been to Mexico, Cuba and Costa Rica? We just couldn't do it afterwards. No. Well, I hope you go. Maybe you can make a nice anniversary gift. But so how long did you have to then wait to get married? We actually got married in 2021. So the year after. Yeah, it was still pandemic back then, but we just chose to do it because some of the rules were a bit more okayish. Yeah, there was a, I think there was like a period where weddings were on again. Yeah, yeah, that was my, that was us. Yeah. (laughs) Everything was shut down, nothing else happened. (laughs) What? Yeah, literally in Romania, that was the last night. After the, that night, everything got shut down, like events and stuff. Nothing would just happen. Nothing. Everything got closed down. Oh, well, it's so crazy thinking back at uh, it wasn't that long ago, right? But <laughs> it feels like forever ago. Um, yeah, like two different worlds. Um, but wonderful. And I guess my last question for you before we kind of wrap this bit up, because we've been talking for <laughs> twenty five minutes, uh, is um, what. What's the biggest change you've noticed between living in the UK and living in, in Romania? So I would think that everything like um, paperwork, it's a lot more easier to do in, in the UK. Romania has, or used to have, I don't know, maybe with COVID everything changed. Um, but it used to have so such an extensive bureaucracy, bureaucracy system that really made like everyone crazy and sad and frustrated at the same time. I remember just before coming to the UK, um, I came into the UK in February and just a year before that, in December, I, we, I, we decided to buy a car. From the moment we paid for the car until it got registered, it took us a month and a half. All that paperwork, it took a month and a half. When I came here, I just remember um, it was like, hi, I, wa- I would like to see the car. We saw the car and then everything was ready on the phone on the app in one hour like everything paperwork everything just after an hour we just left and the car was on our name and i was so blown away i i was like oh i like this life now (laughs) (laughs) so much quicker so much quicker everything everything was so fast even um uh, moving to a new new home uh, buying a new house uh, everything was like on internet uh, having chats or emails and having this platform where we just submit everything you need Hmm. hustle no stress just lovely i liked it that that was one of the biggest change biggest change i noticed compared to romania it's the convenience of living oh yeah that was it yeah wow what a great way of ending this section and thank you So hello and welcome back to the podcast, Welcome to Section 3, which I still haven't named. My dad actually sent me a message saying to call it tips or something, or top tips. But <laughs> if that's a good idea, we can, we can do that. Um, but for me, it's a recap of your time. And the first thing is, like, if you could go back in time and tell the, the you, which is about to go, and you have your ticket in your hand to move to the UK, anything, a bit of advice... You know, what would you say? What would you tell yourself? What What would you warn yourself for? Maybe not getting murdered would be the first thing. But other than that, would you have it be done? Obviously, um, 
Okay, it's a bit weird now anyway. When I came to the UK, first of all, it wasn't, it was before Brexit. So everything was a lot more different. I think now people coming to the UK, they need, again, coming back to one of the stuff I already said, be patient. I don't know exactly what the process is, but I think it's a bit more difficult now um, because of the Brexit. I I remember I didn't really have to prove I know a language, I didn't have to prove uh, a lot of stuff. Maybe now they do. It, but again, every information that you need, it's on Gov.uk. I think you already heard this like a hundred times, times, James. But every everything that anyone is going to have to consider about moving into the UK, um, you should have a look on this Gov.uk. Um, it's a great place where you can find like a lot of information strictly from the government. They are very well explained and in case you need like a translation or something, they can they can provide this as well. Um, I think the, the system itself is quite friendly and if you want to have a discussion with somebody regarding anything, you just w- search for a phone number in, in that particular ca- case that you need and somebody will pick, pick up and explain to you whatever you need. Um, I didn't actually need it back then when I moved to the UK, um, except maybe doing an appointment for my national insurance. <laughs> that was the only call I had to make. Um, it wasn't really that that difficult. You just have to be present in the UK and have a UK number. So people will believe you're in the UK and want to do something in the UK. <laughs> um, but except that nothing else is it's just reading whatever you need. Uh, when I came in here, um, I had to set up an LTD because I came as a contractor. Um, that was a bit of another area where I had to do a lot more work. But I think now this is kind of difficult for anyone and I don't really know if I should recommend it or not. But I think it's easier to go with an umbrella. People just, you just gave them the details and they they, they just take care of you. Also, get a bank, baby. Wanna, yeah. Like, there's, there's so many great like revenue you can make different bank accounts in different currencies. Because like when I moved to Sweden, I have a similar issue. Like the government is a bit slower. Um, well, feels slower. Maybe it's just because my limited Swedish. But um, Brexit was quite a scary thing. Like I had to apply for a visa. I had to wait for the visa to come through. And then when I moved here, I had to go to migration services and get my you know work permit card. And then go and get my personal number, which is my national insurance number. I had to go queue at a physical office and then do it. And then I waited like 16 weeks for that to arrive. And then once I got that, I can go get a bank account. And then when you get a bank account, you get bank ID. And then bank ID lets you do stuff in Sweden, which is quite a drawn out process. Probably the same will happen to anyone coming now to the UK. Back then, I didn't need a visa. I was in the European Union, so... I was working as a European citizen. Uh, yeah, it, it was. So when, 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 when that changed, then was it so you had to do apply for residency or? Yeah, because of the Brexit, I had to apply for the residency, and this year I'm also started applying for my citizenship, which is exciting. I'm now learning all this great stuff about UK culture and history that I had no clue. <laughs> I mean, so my friend Johnny who is on the podcast as well, he has just got his, I think. But he, I remember when he was doing his exam, 
and he was like, I was asking, well, what questions are on there? And he's like, oh, it's about, you know, this person, that person. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> Why would I need to know that information? Like the voting stuff, yeah, I get it, politics, yeah, I get it. But like the history side, okay, it's probably nice to know what I should have an appreciation for, but I don't need it in my day to day life. So, um, yeah, maybe it's my ignorance, but because you not needing to know something means if you're busy or lazy, like all right, we're on both of those things, that you uh you just don't really care. <laughs> and then you see people having to, you know, study random bits of information. Yeah, it's it's just another process, isn't it? You just take it and that's it. Um it was very funny in the English test to be honest. Um it was like a ten minute talk. Oh, on in this place where they give you a certificate and they say, yeah, this person knows English. After living in the UK for six years, it's kind of weird not to, you know? It, it's very weird not to. But anyway, you need this. I mean, it depends on what part of England you live in. Well, <laughs> okay. from, from my point of view, it's just another thing that there. So you, you, you get a knowledge that, okay, yeah, you're okay to live in the UK. I mean, you could have had uh, a good Scouse accent. I can say that because I'm from Liverpool. But uh, if you've got a accent, I'm like, oh, does she know English? I don't know. Oh, yeah, this will be another tip, maybe. Just be patient with people's accents. Um, when I came here, it was terrible. I mean... Yeah, because I, you know... The English that I knew was American English. Just the, best, the best thing is for yourself, just look around on YouTube and anywhere. There are so many uh, channels where you can learn some English... Spoken by British English, yeah, English, and like and acknowledge the difference because I I think I I kept saying this to all my to all my colleagues now. Um, but when I came here, like in the first days, I spilled coffee or something on my trousers at the word. But what I said was like, I need some napkins. I just spilled trousers on my pants. Even though you're laughing, <laughs> in my head I was like, why is this person laughing? <laughs> but yeah. Um, Pants are not the same with trousers in the UK, people. No. So no, yeah. Trousers go over pants. Yeah. Try, try to, try to make um, a little bit of effort and just learn some, some, some British words. Um, yeah. And accents, it's very, it's, it's, it's a thing that is like a hit and miss. Um, when I joined Post, I started working with one of our colleagues, which is from Ireland, and I, uh, I remember I was like. Minondora, you need to focus now. You need to focus now. What is this person saying? I was terrified. At, at, at some point, I was like saying, can you please say that again for like three times in a row? I was like, I'm just spoilers. I can't get this. I mean, it's funny because um, uh, one of your colleagues, Matt, he and I grew up like three miles apart. No. Oh. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, he, I can cycle to where he's from in like, uh, like half an hour or something. And I think we sound completely different. But... <laughs> no. And in the UK, that's how it is. Like every town or city has its own dialect, which is quite. Yeah. I don't know if it really has a. Like in Romanian, does it have a, so a straight, uh, city? Uh, so Speaks from, differently? Or? From, from my ho hometown, there is actually an accent. Not, actually, not from the hometown itself, from the region, Moldovan region. Um, which is different from the other places, but I always was kind of um, happy that I never really picked up on that accent. So when I was studying in Bucharest, people were like, where are you from? You don't have an accent. 
But I, again, I'm I'm really good at languages, so I pick up accents really fast. When I was studying in Portugal, I studied um, Portuguese in like an intense course, and I was able after one month and a half to speak as a native. Again, my accent was a bit weird, so people were like, "Are you from Brazil?" <laughs> <laughs> there was something, but I I always like picked up accents. With That's such a great skill to have. Different, yeah. With, with English was different. I, I I remember I was feeling so scared that I wouldn't understand people, and they won't understand me back because this is something that even nowadays happens. People just see me and they are ready for I don't know different kind of language and accent and then when i speak they are not prepared for an accent and they're like come again <laughs> uh it makes me funny i but this is me i i have an accent probably and i speak in a way that they are not probably expecting to but everyone has an accent yeah like people think i'm swedish but when i walk into a shop they speak swedish to me and evie as well because we're both tall and she's blonde <laughs> and uh, we're like what no <laughs> I mean, obviously, it's, it is Sweden, so they should speak Sweden. So I could now, like, <laughs> but I can now order some, like, food and drinks. But as soon as it goes past that bit of dialect, I am very much lost. Coming back to roots, English it is. Yeah, I mean, on the English level, here is so much better than in England. So, oh, funny. Wonderful. Um, well, thank you. Um, is there any advice you want to give to anyone listening um, or watching that matter, like um, on moving abroad or, or traveling in general? Uh, one of other stuff that I would probably recommend is um, just be careful with exactly the job you're looking into. I mean, I know people that started working in the UK and then they just decided it's enough for them, so they can, they went back home. Just decide if this is really the good path. Um I do encourage anyone to try it. This is can turn out one of the best experiences uh, for me. My, I already said this. I initially I came into the UK with a plan for staying here just for two years. I never left. Okay. <laughs> um, but one of the things is I would always recommend try it. And if this costs you maybe losing some I don't know connections, maybe spending time with family. Just try it. You never know. Maybe you're going to bring the family back with you. You never know. Just try it. And you can always go back, as you said, as well. Well, hopefully you can. Obviously, there's some people who can't go back. But the majority of people who do move for work are able to go home. Um, yeah. If it's not right. Wow. And then, to end on a lighter note, um, what's your favorite British saying? Uh, let's see. A favorite British saying? I don't know. I just love that. That. Thing that everybody's saying how are you my love i just love it I, it just has love in it how can you not love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's a very good point i mean yeah i i've had diddy dally before and like uh yeah we know that we we make loads of random noises with our mouths and it become a description for something but yeah no uh, it's a it is lovely how we do yeah greet so warmly yeah. We might not greet with physical contact like in France or, <laughs> or for the parts of Europe, but we do it with words. Yeah, that's it. Words do matter. <laughs> it's a vocal hug. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> not so well put. Well, thanks so much, Medora, for like spending your time like, indulging me with like my silly questions and uh, 
and sharing your story of, of traveling and living abroad. I It's been so nice to hear it and explore it more. It's something that I've said to all my guests, like spending time talking about one topic, be it your moving somewhere else, I think really helps appreciate the the, the struggles or the, the kind of journey that someone's come on. And I feel like I know people a lot better, a lot more closer because you've not just skimmed the surface of several topics, you've gone a lot more, you know, in depth on one topic so thank you for agree- agreeing to to be part of this and yeah i i hope you enjoyed it yeah my absolute pleasure i'm looking forward for the next one then <laughs> yeah i'm the one after that and after that <laughs> thank you for having me as well always and if you did or people listening did find something really useful or want to ask you the question or find out some information please do get in touch i'm sure i can yeah, forward any yeah. remaining specific questions to Minadora and get back to everyone. But yeah, thank yeah, you. And um, we'll always, see you next time. Always happy to. Bye. Okay, bye everyone. <laughs>